1: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause.
2: Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he sent me the
3: So tell me why you mad. Boston Celtics Podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jake King. Ladies and gentlemen, he is coming to us live from Miami, where the Celtics will t- play the Miami Heat tomorrow, or probably today, But by the time you're listening to this, in Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals. After the Celtics turn the ball over in game three and lose uh, after making a, a basically a 20 point comeback and then falling short. And then in game four, absolutely dominating the Miami heat, just not allowing them to score the basketball pretty much for the first 10 minutes of the game. Jay, why can't there be a close game in this series? And what were you thinking uh, with about four minutes left? in the first quarter uh, when the Heat had only made one field goal.
0: Game three turned into a close game. That is
3: valid, valid point.
0: (laughs) But yeah, during that first quarter, it got to the point where it felt like an AAU tournament where one of the best teams in the state was just playing like just a, a bunch of bums that were picked up off the side of the road by by some coach and if if you've played au basketball you know that there are just certain matchups that are just absolute bloodbaths and that's what the first quarter felt like that was uh incredible i've never seen anything like it the the heat had two points in the paint in the first quarter and two three-point attempts which is like almost impossible to do they got absolutely nothing that they wanted the Celtics defense, like uh, you could tell they were, they were pissed off by what Bam Adebayo did to them. They were pissed off by what the Heat did to them in the first quarter of game three. And you could tell from the first possession, Al Horford denies Bam Adebayo out of the three-point arc. Makes it really tough for him to get the ball at all. Then Bam does eventually get the ball, and Horford just strips him. And it was like, oh, okay, (laughs) like it's going to be different than it was in game three. And it was very, very different.
3: (laughs) It's a valid point. I think the biggest uh, adjustment the Celtics made. Well, there was two adjustments. One, they had Rob Williams on the court, which just felt like such a deterrent at the rim and made the heat just a little bit more hesitant every time they got in the paint. And then another thing they did was basically they were, it looked like they were playing a lot more drop defense pretty much anytime Bam or PJ Tucker were setting a screen. And it like, they, they, neither of those guys really did much on the short roll. I think PJ Tucker, like anytime that a PJ Tucker takes a floater, I think is a win for the Celtics. Bam really didn't get much going. And I thought the Celtics just did a good job of. Basically, just having really active hands. Derek White came up with a number of huge steals, uh, and he had a, a very solid um, first half, especially on the defensive end. Um, but what do you see from the Celtics, just in terms of like what they what they do to really slow down the uh, the Miami Heat, because I mean, some of the some of the shots Miami just like missed, like the normal mid rangers But the the Heat were take like just got nothing at the rim. So what the Celtics do to force them into kind of those mid range shots.
0: Yeah, they got all mid-range. And I think part of it was that like Kyle Lowry, after the five-minute burst at the beginning of Game 3, just hasn't looked to be moving the same. Jimmy Butler sat out the second half of Game 3 with a knee issue, and he just didn't seem to have the pop that he normally does. So I think that's part of it. And when, when you're not necessarily as worried about those guys, then... You can do a better job on Max Bruce, Gabe Vincent. Uh, and I just thought the Celtics' defense was awesome. And they forced – it was all mid-range. It was all floaters. It was all nonsense, really. And, like, it, it wasn't until Victor Oladipo got in the game that the Heat did anything of substance. Victor Oladipo's emergence in this series has been unexpected for me, at least. Um I thought his defense was amazing in the second half of game 3 after he was a DMPCD in the first half. And then game 4 he was basically the only offensive option for a while for a team that like I honestly it did not look like Butler and Lowry were moving well. Those guys are two of the toughest guys in the world if like they they're capable perhaps of of gritting through it and being much better in game 5. Um but the, the way that they were playing is just going to make it really hard on the rest of the guys if, if they can't give more deeper in this series.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Oladipo, 18 points at the half. The entire Heat team had 33 points. Uh, they got six points from Butler there. Struess and Vincent. That's just a wild <laughs> stat. Victor Oladipo, of all people, just like, how many games did he play this year, like, 10? Was he active for 10 regular season games? And just for him to be—and he was unstoppable. Like, he was knocking down every shot uh, there in the first half. But I I really did not see that coming. But it's it's kind of been wild for the Celtics in this series. Their two wins have been absolute blowouts. And then it really feels like—and this has been true for the entire postseason, or I guess the Bucs series because they didn't lose any games in the net series— When they don't turn over the basketball, like the, it makes it so much easier for them to win games because despite winning the, this game by 20, the Celtics offense was pretty horrific. They shot 40% from the field, uh, 23% only hit eight threes, uh, just uh, between just,
0: is Jason Tatum's shoulder still bothering him?
3: I thought it looked so it like most
0: his he, he had two most air balls. His shots he had shots in two the first half and that that's Yeah, weird.
3: and most of his shots in the first half were like a little bit off. The one 3 he did make it felt like he put like a little bit extra on it. Um and so he did knock down like I guess a couple mid-range shots, but his pretty much his entire offense was putting his head down and going to the rim and the Celtics if they didn't get to go to the free throw line 38 times, like this would have been a lot closer of a basketball game because as bad as Miami's offense was, the Celtics offense wasn't that much better. They just didn't happen to uh turn the ball over and, you know, they got to the line a bunch uh in this game.
0: Yeah, and like all they have to do, like you said, like the, the biggest key for them is for their offense to be good enough that it doesn't totally ruin their defense. They're, they have played Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Giannis, and now Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, all those guys. And their half-court defense is substantially the best in the NBA during the playoffs pretty far and away the best half court defense in the playoffs despite playing all those guys and obviously Milwaukee didn't have Chris Middleton and and it was going to be kind of a, a scratch and claw type of deal for them in the half court um but the Nets have one of the best offenses in the league the the heat are are capable and the Celtics like basically whenever they're in the half court have just shut everyone down they're I don't know if if like just nobody can score on their defense, or just these teams can't score on their half court defense. But like as long as they don't turn the ball over, live ball turnovers, or have bad shots and complain to the ref and not get back, then their defense has been amazing and will give them a chance to win any game. But it's it's basically all the other times when. Their offense has impacted the defense that they've struggled. Um, sometimes it's just for a quarter and things just go awful. Sometimes it's been for closer to a full game, like it was in Game Three, where even when they started to come back, it just was turnover, turnover. Jalen Brown like just dribbling into dudes' hands. Has um, he forgotten now to dribble? But because it's it,
3: still a wild ride anytime Jalen Brown puts the ball on the floor. <laughs>
0: I think so I think they're being very physical with him. They're sending a lot of help on his drives and also I feel like they've gotten the memo that the ball is up for grabs when he's <laughs> dribbling to the to the hoop because it just seems like they're just like like converging uh, on him and and sometimes like he was pretty bad in game 4 uh, offensively but You know, game three, like he was either getting all the way to the rim and finishing. I think he made every two point attempt in that game while scoring 40 points or he was just getting the ball stripped from him. It was it was really like all or nothing that game. (laughs) It was just a wild, wild game for him. I've never seen someone score 40 and be that likely to just like dribble into traffic and lose it and just have the other team go the other way. It was, it's, it has been a wild ride for him. Um, but it all goes back to for them, like their defense is just a special unit, especially when they have everybody out there. Robert Williams and Marcus Smart are questionable for game five, so we'll see on them. Um, but when they have everybody out there and they can play good enough offense just to give themselves a chance defensively, like they just shut everyone down.
3: Their best offense is just not turning the ball over. Like as long as they just don't give up massive amounts of fast break points to the other teams. Like their their half court offense is so good that they're going to be in the game and probably will end up being in a in leaded game. Like they they again, in game four, they just did not play that well, but they just didn't turn the ball over. And Miami's defense Miami, at least in games three and game four, are playing some of the most physical, like you talk about Brad Stevens loves like players who get into the ball. That's all the Miami Heat does. They get into the ball and they play extremely physical. And for some reason in game 3 that resulted in 23 turnovers for the Celtics. I think uh they just didn't handle the pressure well and kind of felt like they got sped up. Uh they still like in game 3 they still got to the line 30 times. Uh, it just so happens in game 4 they got to the uh, line 38 times, but It feels like Miami's playing this type of defense that is just like, we are going to be physical with you on every single possession. You are going to have to earn it or get a whistle. And I thought the Celtics did just a much better job in game four of just not making extraordinarily stupid passes uh, or throwing the ball at some guy's uh, feet uh, as (laughs) they were doing in game three. Um, But I thought they handled the physicality pretty well. There was still – Gabe Vincent – I know he did not give the the heat much in uh, on offense of that game, but he was playing some of the most hard nosed, like aggressive, getting into the ball defense on Derek White that I've seen in a while. He is a pest out there,
0: and it feels like the entire. I've got a shout out to to Bam Adebayo too, because the Heat were down thirty, and that dude was just hounding guys. <laughs> it was, it was. He didn't care that they were down thirty late in the third quarter. He was just trying to give somebody hell <laughs> and so i i I, there, I have a lot of respect for the competitive spirit of that heat team. They are full of just absolutely tough bastards like every single one of those dudes is just wired to compete and Uh, You know, there's a lot of talk about heat culture. Obviously, you love the heat culture talk, Packard. Um, But I think beyond that, like, they just got a lot of dudes from Jimmy Butler to P.J. Tucker to Bam Adebayo to Kyle. Like, these are guys who have lived their whole lives being the gritty dude that wins because they just out-compete people. And so that's a lot for the Celtics to deal with. I think you saw that in game three. Like they, they tried to prepare for that. They told themselves the Heat were going to come up, come in and, and just with a totally different level of focus after getting smacked in game two. And they still weren't ready for any of it. Um, And like if, if you lighten up against this Heat team, like they are tough enough, strong enough manly enough <laughs> to, to just give you a really hard and time. And
3: that's the big question for the Celtics. And I think Ime mentioned it. It felt like four or five times in the press conference. The Celtics this year in the playoffs have been phenomenal in responding to a loss. Each time they've lost to this year in the playoffs, they've responded with a win. Can they bring the same level of effort and consistency After winning a game, like, can they just show up to game five and play like they just uh, like they just lost? I mean, they did it in in the Milwaukee game in game five, and then they just had one of the worst collapses in playoff recent memory. And so the really the question is, is like, can the Celtics bring that kind of level of effort and focus and just not playing stupid basketball after a win? And really take control of this series and give them chance, give themselves a chance to close it out at home. Um, like it's, it feels like you have the utmost confidence in the Celtics coming off of a loss, but just after a win, you just don't know what they're gonna get. In Game Three, they come out and they just get give up forty, basically forty points in the first quarter. Um, in Game One, they played pretty well to start the game, and then just got blitzed in the third quarter it's really not that difficult of a formula it's just they need to play continue to play solid defense and not turn the ball over but they've been seemingly incapable of doing that two games in a row save for games six and seven of the Buck series uh because game seven really wasn't a game but it's just gonna be like not normally something I think you you think about with basketball teams but like the Celtics have been, uh, have been struggling to respond to wins in this playoffs. And it's something they really need to change if they don't want to go to another, you know, seven games against this Heat team.
0: Yeah, I, I could see why after game two, they thought this was going to be kind of an easier series. Um, And and so I get a little bit of a letdown after that. But the, the start of game three was so bad that people were booing them. In the playoffs at home. You don't see that very often. Especially like the the Boston fans have grown to really love this team. Um, but they also held the team very accountable during that disgusting start to game three. But yeah, uh, going back even to the Brooklyn series. It was after a win. like Like they won game one on a buzzer beater. Game two they come back and get get behind like 17 or 18 points or whatever it was in the first half. Um then the Milwaukee series like game game 1 they come in and just get molly whopped and the physicality really bothered them. And I think I I don't know what it is for the Celtics so far. Maybe it's just that they've played, like, really fucking <laughs> tough teams. <laughs> that teams could be who also it.
3: respond well to you know? lo- losses, like, you know, like come back and play play with a renewed sense of focus. Yeah. That could be it.
0: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, when, when you got to deal with Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Drew Holiday, and now you're dealing with P.J. Tucker and Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lyle, Like, those are some prideful dudes, <laughs> a lot of prideful dudes that they're dealing with. So it's probably not as bad as, as it seems, but they do need to take care of the ball and they do need to have the defensive effort from the start. Like you can't let Bam get going because Bam was just a different dude. After they let him get some easy stuff at the the beginning of game three, the rest of that game, he was just out to kill. And I thought they actually did a decent job on him after that first quarter. But by then, he was just in such an aggressive mode that they couldn't shut him off. And in Game 4, it was totally different. Like, they they shut down the the easy stuff early. He never really got going. He never really got into that aggressive mode. And, and so I just think, like, the, the level of focus the Celtics need to have in this series is very high. And Game 5, that's a... That's a very big one. Game five in Miami on the road. You're going to have to win at least one in Miami. And, you know, I I think what what, winners of game five win the series like 81% of the time, something like that. I don't know exactly what the stat is, but it's it's very high, extremely high. So. Game five is a big game. I don't know if you knew that, but it's a big game.
3: (laughs) Now, like the the unfortunate thing about this series so far is that it feels so dependent on whether or not guys on both teams are going to be healthy. Like I would, I was joking last night, but honestly petition Adam Silver, like let's delay the game five, two days, you know, like play, play it on Friday. Let's let these guys get healthy. Let's let Jay King hang out in Miami for a couple of days. He will undoubtedly get sunburned uh, just from going to the beach and not putting on sunscreen. But like Robert Williams, the well, kid, the kids learned from the last time he was there, or two years ago when he was in Miami. Showed up game looking like a lobster.
0: No, I put I put sunscreen in my I put sunscreen on that time too. I just didn't <laughs> <Okay>. reapply enough. <laughs> It's a different type of sun down here.
3: Well, I want want you to stay down there for for three days just because this series would be so much more fun if there wasn't, like, if I didn't have, like, alerts on my phone just checking the, um, the inflammation of, you know, the Celtics' impact players and the Heat's impact players. Like you mentioned earlier, it just doesn't look like Jimmy Butler's moving that well. Tyler Hero missed game four, and... It really feels like the Celtics are a completely different team when Robert Williams is on the court. and if he can play in game five, that's just a huge boost for them and what they can do on defense and just like their their outlet on offense. like just starting the second half with a nice little lob to Rob Williams is just such an easy point of offense to them. like the the things they can do with like cutting and big to big passing. Uh, on offense with him just like lobs at the rim is so important and so like uh, I have no idea what's going to happen with Rob's uh, knee at at this point but uh, both him and Marcus Smart and
0: I guess you'd say yeah he looked he looked bad at the end of his final yeah and he
3: said after the game that he was feeling fine but like he looked hurt I think it was a block
0: he said he's feeling (laughs) great (laughs) come on man we we just watched you wincing on the court. We just we just watched you go grab a pack of ice as soon as you got off the court. We just watched you go to the locker room after you got off the court. Um, but I respect it. He's just like, yeah, I feel great. <laughs> Maybe he's just. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he got hurt. It looked like he got hurt when he uh when he blocked Jimmy Butler. Um, it was a great great block. Like Butler tried to body him, sort of like he did in game one. And Robert Williams braced himself, took the contact, just swatted it away. But you could see from that point forward, he started wincing. And then his last – like two of his last plays, he he got absolutely blown by. And then after one of them, he was just kind of standing in the corner of the court, like not going to offense in the other direction. So I, I think he's definitely dealing with a lot of pain right now. Um, he may – said after game two was it that Robert Williams would deal with would be dealing with pain throughout the rest of the playoffs probably uh so it's just something he's gonna have to manage and and maybe he'll be fine, but he was definitely hurting in in, in game four and then Marcus smart he was moving pretty pretty well he when stood I saw him for the, the entire
3: game moment. like a man with a just presumably extremely swollen ankle i did not think standing for mo- like 4 hours in a row was going to be the solution of uh, the rehab required for that but nope there was marcus standing on the sideline coaching up the team the entire time talking to the refs um i would i would have been amazed as tough as marcus smart is if he played in that game like it looked like the side of his leg hit the floor like that- that's wild <laughs>
0: He, he rolled the piss out of his ankle. I mean, he must have been on so like the adrenaline must have been coursing so hard for him to check back into that game minutes later, because that, that, that he rolled it like hard. Like his his ankle was totally sideways, and and he just came back and played. And they in that game they blew a chance to come back like basically turnovers were the only thing that kept them from coming back they had everything going for them like everything else going for them jimmy butler was out the marcus smart comes back from injury jason tatum comes back from injury the crowd is fucking going crazy and they just couldn't take care of the ball enough and max Struess, what a shot by max Struess! that was a just a silencer from max Struess. um but yeah, it, it is too bad that that there's been so much carnage in this series because it would be a lot more fun if if both teams were were healthy and unfortunately both teams like key key players are are just banged up and you know even Tatum like I said I, I did not think he maybe he wasn't hurting but he absolutely did not shoot the ball well. And some of the misses were just weird, especially for him. It, it felt like he couldn't even get the ball to the rim sometimes.
3: Yeah. And it, it was just a, a kind of an ugly game for after, you know, the Celtics took a, what was it, 17 point lead? What was it 18 to 1 before Miami scored?
0: How good was Derek White? during that, that early run. It was,
3: it was amazing, and I love the quote, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to do it aggressively. Like, that is uh, just a, a winner's mentality. But yeah, he had 10 qu- uh, points in that first quarter. Knocked down his first three, which it, was huge. But he was just uh, fantastic on both ends of the court.
0: And, and he... W- he said that after the game, but he was also saying it at shoot around. <laughs> like that wasn't just a thing that he he said afterward, like after he'd already had a good game. No, he's he was saying that beforehand. Like, I'm not gonna play like like a uh a meek person. Like I the the previous two games, he took one three over forty-three minutes of the previous two games. Like he just look totally gun shy. He scored three points total over his first two games of the Miami series, which were games one and three. He missed game two to for the birth of his son. And it just felt like he he needed to to get out, out of that mindset, like to just and just be himself. Um that's what he said. So they need him to be aggressive. They need him to at least like be a threat and I I just felt like the way he started the game with a drive in transition a three then another drive in transition both of his drives in transition like they didn't really have numbers he was just like fuck it (laughs) let's do this and I just felt like especially with Marcus Smart out that was huge for the Celtics to to get what they got out of him I don't know why he played 41 minutes or whatever in a game that was a 30-point blowout. I didn't realize like, he played 41 Maybe That's just.
3: Wild. Oh, yeah, because at the end of the game, he may refuse to go to his full bench until like a minute 39 left. So he just brought in Tyson Nismith and just still rolled with White, Pritchard, and Grant.
0: Yeah, and I, I understand playoff game. And, and the Heat were like, they were being spunky. It, it wasn't like... They had they totally had. given up. They they were Yurt7
3: was in the game. But no, they had they
0: had guys. A guy
3: named Haywood Highsmith. <laughs> and and Can you tell Dedman. me before the game that you knew Haywood Highsmith existed, because I this is the first I've ever heard yes. of him, Haywood Highsmith.
0: <laughs> a what a name! name. Uh, and then <laughs> then we got the subplot of Dwayne Deadman just pointing at Glenn <laughs> Davis after all of his made buckets. I don't know what was happening what? there, but Big Baby was loving it. <laughs> The big baby was cackling and it, like absolutely cackling in the front row. Just, just loving it. Having the, the time of his life as Dwayne Dedman, down 30, is just pointing at him after hitting threes and shit. That was just an amazing subplot to a game that otherwise kind of dried up in interest after the first half. Just Dwayne De- Dwayne Deadman going wild at Glenn Davis. Glenn Davis must talk hella raw from from the front row because Kevin Durant was going at him too when when he went to the Nets Celtics game during the regular season. And now Dwayne De- Dwayne Dedman is just going fucking bonkers. I thought that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I I could not get enough of Dwayne Deadman just and you like he was. He was really going hard with the trash talk, with the pointing, with everything. I, I was not prepared for the Dwayne Deadman. No, Dwayne
3: it was uh, it's just moments like that that make playoff basketball uh, so damn exciting. The other thing that I think stuck out to this game, I guess it's been the entire playoff run, but jacked up Al Horford. Like Al Horford swatting a ball into the uh, stands and then uh, looking for it, putting the hand over the head. Uh, he's been the most, like, the bi- the biggest showman I think I've ever seen, Al Horford be. He does, like, back in the day, old playoff Al would would maybe give you a fist pump. But he would, he would definitely flex. flex, would flex. Uh, like, that was his go-to move. But I feel like he's def- added new things to his game. Um, And talk about, like, a dominant five-point performance from Al Horford. Like, as good as Robert
0: Williams was.
3: <laughs> Just
0: a... Just the most dominant. Al Horford on the defensive
3: end was just fucking awesome with four blocks and just everything he did to kind of keep Bam out of the game or out. Like Bam only took five shots. And after I thought Bam did an amazing job of getting and going just kind of through or over Horford in game three, I just thought Horford was uh, phenomenal in game four. And to do that, plus plus the theatrics, Um, I just wanted to give it up to the, to the old fellow there. because he was just, he's been the, like one of the more consistent Celtics. I feel like everyone's kind of had up and down games, but, uh, Horford, although even when he's not scoring is making just a huge impact on this series.
4: Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman as seen recently styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: And I'll tell you what. I think he took it personally that Bam whipped his ass in the first quarter of Game 3. Because Al Horford doesn't really get his ass whipped very often. But Bam whipped his ass. Bam gave him the business. It wasn't all Horford's fault. The Celtics' help defense just wasn't there. They they left him on an island. They left him in positions that just were were tough to handle. But he got his ass kicked from the start by Bam Adebayo in that game. And he was asked – I I asked him during shoot around like what what do you need to do better against Bam and he gave me like the worst possible answer. It was so bad that I laughed. Like I literally was sitting there chuckling um at how little Al Horford gave me in that answer. And I I just felt like he was seething. Like he was just so ready to get out there and guard Bam Adebayo again. And and he he delivered, man. Like he was that was a top-notch out horrible performance. And I, I think he knows, man. Like he knows this is his chance. This is his chance to win a title. He he's never been to the finals. He this is the team that has a chance to not just get there, but but win the whole damn thing. And I think he senses that. You know, last time he was in Boston, they had the the 2018 run, which was Kind of unexpected, and even if they had gotten past LeBron, they would have got just demoralized by the Warriors in the finals. The next year, everyone's excited, and they stink. <laughs> they, they get bopped in the second round by the Bucs. Uh They won fewer than 50 games. He goes to Philadelphia where he's thinking, like, oh, I'm, I'm with Joel Embiid, I'm with Ben Simmons, we're going to be title contenders, and that just flopped. And now he's 35, 36, whatever he is, and he realizes this is it, and this could be it. This could be his last best chance at not just getting to the finals but but winning it. And I just feel like he's been locked in. And the amount of minutes he's playing, the, the load he's carrying defensively, it's – it's just kind of ridiculous for a guy his age and a big man his age to be in that good shape to be able to handle all of that. It's just really impressive.
3: Yeah, I was I was looking at the matchup numbers um that they have on nba.com and I was I I, I like I momentarily forgot that the Heat just didn't make any shots in the in that game or the early on. I was like, wow, these are these are absurd. But uh Bam Adebayo 0 for 2 against uh, Al Horford in that entire game, which just feels absolutely ridiculous. The best
0: player... You could tell the first possession, I swear to God. You, you could just see it and be like, oh, <laughs> Al's different. <laughs> like, Al Al is ready for this challenge tonight.
3: The best player uh, to score on, on Al Horford in game four was Caleb Barton, who was, I think, the, the Heat's second best player on offense. Solid game from Caleb Barton. Who knew?
0: Um, there was a point when Victor Oladipo and Caleb Martin had more th- made three pointers than the entire Celtics roster and the Heat were down like 30. That game just made no sense. The the level of like the Celtics they were 4 for 30ish at some point. It was they really shot like that Clippers game. Remember the Clippers game when they were 4 for 43 or whatever it was from deep and it was just like miss after miss after miss. They shot like that in a playoff game and won by 30. How does that happen? Uh, the Heat
3: did not make a field goal until four minutes left in the first quarter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll do it. I guess that helps. So
3: do you have any insight? Of, like, have they media spoke today about, or not media, you are the media, like whether or not they're going to get Robert Williams or Marcus Smart back? Like, what can we expect from the Celtics in game five in terms of health? And then if they are not playing, I guess... I don't know. I feel like Marcus Smart's going to play just because he's that the type of crazy who's not going to miss two games in a row. I'd be wouldn't be as surprised if Robert Williams doesn't play. Do you think they go with starting Tice again, or is that such a colossal failure in game one that uh that they immediately just go to starting Grant Williams?
0: I don't know. Uh he, he may sort of like a, he he makes some very good adjustments, but I think he also just believes in his visions, (laughs) if that makes sense. Like, he thinks that that Tice next to Al Horford should work and should be good defensively. And I don't think he looked at that first quarter as Daniel Tice's fault. I just think he thought the whole Celtics team just shitted the bat. Shat, I believe. Shat the bat. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They they shat the whatever it is. Uh and so I wouldn't be surprised if if Robert Williams does sit out, if he goes back to Daniel Tice and just says, Let's be better than we were before. We'll do a lot of the same stuff that we wanted to do with Robert Williams. Um but but yeah, I mean that wasn't great. And I think when they've gone small and like they with Grant Williams, like They've been good during this series, so I, either way, wouldn't surprise me. I, I do, f- I am on your side that Marcus Smart is probably the more likely to play. I just felt like Robert Williams, you could tell, was just going through it, pain wise, during the the was it the third quarter of of Game Four? Yeah, and so I would not be surprised if he misses a game. Obviously, he's. He's doing a lot of treatment and everything like that, trying to get back. But you could tell he was he was just playing through a lot. At
3: this point, is there any like treatment, or is that I, it just doesn't feel like there's so much you can do uh, to make it better? And like maybe if there wasn't a game every other day, it wouldn't be this uh, like be this way. But like especially if they're like flying in between each of those games. Like you just kind of expect Robert Williams to play a game, miss a game, play a game. Um, And hopefully I like, hopefully the Celtics can, can still get a win and then he can come back for game six. It's just why it's just, again, it's just frustrating as a fan for both teams to be so kind of banged up right now, just because you want to, it hasn't been the greatest basketball. I would say the first four games of the series, just with the kind of, uh, the wild blowouts and you'd rather both of these teams healthy and both of these teams playing at their best, but it's really tough to know like what you're going to get one, if Robert Williams is going to play or what you're going to get from Marcus smart. Or, I mean, if the, if Jimmy Butler plays like he did in game four again, like if he just doesn't have the kind of the bounce and athleticism and clearly he didn't have it in game three or enough for them to kind of pull him for the second half of that game. If he doesn't show up for Game 5, I'm just not exactly sure what the what the Heat's ex- uh, answer is other than just having Bam be super aggressive again. Um, and so, who knows? Game 5. a Very important game, and I feel like we have no idea what's going to happen because we have no idea which players are going to show up, uh, if they're going to be healthy, or... If the Celtics will just uh, not turn the basketball over like anything could happen in this game, depending on those major variables.
0: Yeah, and I feel like Lowry and Butler, them not being right or not looking right in game four, that also helps the Celtics take care of the ball. You know, those two guys are such disruptors defensively when they're right and and when they're not right, it's just different. Like, you don't have to play through as much. Um, so, yeah, health health is such a big factor in this series. It's it, it really is too bad that we can't see these teams at full strength. But what can you do? What can you do? You
3: know what we can do? We can go to celebrity caller Joshua B. Join us here on Anything Is Potable. Joshua B. Oh, my God. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's it's great. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Um, I actually have a compliment to pay Jay King before I get to two questions. I wrote these two questions down. So this oh, time well, I actually have two, like two questions. Um, and I wrote them down. And I think I've got the good writing for them. But first, I want to give you a compliment, Jay. Because at the beginning of everything, um, you told me that the Eastern Conference playoffs was going to be a bloodbath. And I at first was like no way the Celtics are going to do great and sure enough you were right about both right it was the it was a bath when we just destroyed the Brooklyn Nets and then it was the blood when we made um Giannis bleed from the side of his head and now it's a blood bath every time there's like a blowout going on back and forth so you were spot on man great great call
0: Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that, Josh.
1: Um, as the only I do it answer, for you. So all right, so I'll ask my first question and then I have a second follow-up question. So the first question is, am I the only person who thinks that these shots that are being taken by Kyle Lowry are like the, the biggest bricks I've ever seen, like in my life? I mean, I swear the ball is going like <laughs> 10 feet off the back iron of the like of the hoop. And is that really the twenty-five million dollar man that Miami paid for? Because that's not the Kyle Lowry that I remember. I mean, even even with a shot.
0: Yeah, I I feel like he's just not right physically. Uh, I thought the start of game three, like the very start of game three, he pushed the pace in transition. The, literally the first play gets Max Russo a wide open three. Then he goes back, forces a Jason Tatum turnover by being in perfect help position. Then keeps pushing the pace, gets bam out of bio. I just thought he was awesome for like five minutes. And then he left the court, went to the locker room area or whatever it was, and has not been the same since. I just don't think he's right. I don't think he has his normal oomph to give. And he's, he's still make, he's still made some plays. Like he, he had that, that sneaky steal uh, late in game three. He, but yeah, from from a scoring perspective, and you could tell this the Celtics like they they don't think that he can really beat them. Just the way that they have been approaching that matchup, they it seems like they know that he's damaged goods right now.
1: I think you're I think you're right on with that. So with with that sort of in, but the other thing about it is that at least the offensive sets seem more settled down with Miami with Lowry on the floor than than when he was off the floor. I mean when Gabe Vincent was running the show it seemed I don't know I guess it was only for one game but it just it seems like they're more frenetic. It seems like they're whipping the ball around and just yeah. everybody's going sort of everywhere all at once. But it could have just been the feel out game. Um so
0: yeah, Lowry's a basketball genius. Like he knows he knows what his team wants, um, but I mean, you look at the playoff series he's played so far, and the first round he played three games, shot thirty four point eight percent. The second round he played two games, shot twenty one point four percent. This round he's played two games and is shooting twenty nine point four percent. So it's just like the offense, the the efficiency, the the movement that he normally has just isn't there right now, and you can tell. Okay.
1: So this will lead me sort of into my second question, which is that for a pe- everybody that I've been listening to throughout the day has been saying that we don't know what it could be in game five. All we know is that one team is going to blow out the other. Um, and I happen to think that it's probably going to be – a close game um, as opposed to sort of a blowout in either direction, which I know bucks the trend. Um, But the one thing that I am confident about is that Eric Spolstra is going to make an adjustment. There's going to be something that he adjusts. And I was trying to figure out what that adjustment would be. And in my eyes, um, and I would love to hear your perspective on this. I think that the adjustment is to insert Victor Oladipo into the starting lineup alongside Bam, PJ Tucker, um, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. And what that allows you to do is have this sort of switching um defense that really attacks the one Boston weakness that I can see from game to game, which is dribbling and holding onto the ball and being secure. Um, it seems like ever it seems like when we get into trouble um in this series, it's when we're either trying that lob pass to anybody other than Robert Williams, or when we're just being sloppy or unfocused or lazy, whatever adjective you want to use. Um, on, on our dribbling, and I think that that lineup would be the adjustment that they would that the heat would make to at least get out to some sort of a lead in in the first quarter. Um, and this sort of ties into this idea that any anytime that Tyler hero Duncan Robinson or you know Highsmith is on the floor, I think Peyton Pritchard is just fine. I mean really, or Max Struess. like I think you can hide Peyton Pritchard in this series, especially if you think Kyle Lowry isn't right. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be, like, a... Do you foresee Spo making an adjustment? And if that's if that adjustment is the one that I'm... You know, if I'm correct in that, then, like, how did the Celtics sort of counter that? Do you think they bring Derek White in the starting lineup? Or do you think that Robert Williams just um, continues to start alongside Al Corford? I don't know. I, this is just me sort of spitballing, but I've been trying to figure it out myself, and I'm curious what you think.
0: Yeah, I think the... I think the Celtics will start the same way if they're healthy that they they always do. Uh I think I do think Spolster has to try something and to to me the the biggest thing is their half court offense. They just were incapable of scoring during game 4. And I I I know there's a balance between Throwing out, you know, more shooting, whether it's Hero, Duncan Robinson, Struess, uh, but I feel like they'd need to do that not just to spruce up their offense, and, and maybe not in the starting lineup, but at some point in the rotations, and not just spruce up the offense, but to give Bam Adebayo more more space to operate. Like we saw in Game Three when he had a little space, he was hell, and and I just feel like. The hero absence, it wasn't the biggest deal because he doesn't start, and the starting lineup just got thumped. But I I thought game one, he really changed the game when he came in because he gives them somebody you need a guard at the three-point arc. And right now with the way Kyle Lowry is, Jimmy Butler doesn't really shoot threes. Max Struess isn't a ball handler. Um, so there's nobody... Victor Oladipo, like, you're cool with him shooting off the dribble threes. I feel like Tyler Hero is just a a big deal for their offense. Obviously, he's been a target, and obviously his minutes haven't always gone well. Um, but I do feel like as long as the Celtics are, you know, keeping the heat in the half court, like, they're just going to have a tough time to score. Maybe it's just – maybe the, the adjustment is just, like, do whatever the hell it takes to force turnovers. Like, whatever whatever it takes, just go out there and do it. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know if, we'll like,
3: Oladipo – I don't know. When I think of the Miami's offense, like, playing at its best, it's, like, a lot of movement, a lot of, like, cutting and dribble handoffs with Bam, uh, with Bam at the top and, like, him occasionally, like, keeping the ball. And then I just feel like Struis – has play, like he's played his way into the lineup he's clearly uh, surpassed the 90 million dollar man in Duncan Robinson and Oladipo while he's been pretty damn good on offense i feel like he's not really like gotten a lot of his points necessarily in the flow of uh offense it's more been Victor Oladipo going one on one or Victor Oladipo creating some steals and then just man he is fast and getting to the basket and so, I don't like I, maybe putting Oval Depot in the starting lineup works, but I just don't know if he's necessarily like the kind of guy who's running around the court, coming off screens and doing things like that.
0: I mean, la, um, Jay, you didn't hear this, but that that could be a way to to just try to force as many turnovers as possible. Like just have defensive disruptors everywhere. I also think I, I don't know if they have the personnel to do it. But if there's a way to limit Dwayne Deadman minutes, <laughs> uh they could they would probably well, benefit from that. And I, I don't like I don't know if, if they could go to PJ Tucker at five. Like I just don't know. Like, could you dust off Markeef Morris? Is is he still even? I don't know if he's right ever now? recovered from the Jokic you know?
3: uh body check.
0: Yeah, so I I just don't know what the the solution to that would be or the the other approach. I just think Dwayne Deadman minutes have gone very poorly for the Heat so far. Yeah, and series. if they He does very little, very little for them And in this if series the Heat
3: stage. are missing any other guys, like they really don't have the best depth. Um like Gabe Vincent, Oladipo were like effective off the bench, but and even Caleb Martin, I mentioned it before, had a pretty solid game and is a solid player, but um I do maybe all the putting it like him in the game is is something they can do but at some point they're going to need to put in uh whether it be Hero uh, I thought Tatum like was pretty willing to go at Struce uh, I was definitely very willing to go at Duncan Robinson they're going to be able to put like they don't the heat don't have just like the depth right now to put out like just those all defensive lineups um but you're right like that feels like the best strategy for them is just to create as much chaos on that end of the court and just really try to go for turnovers. Maybe maybe it's trying a wackier zone. The Celtics have like haven't struggled as much against the zone this year as they did in the bubble. Um but it's something that I think spolstras used a little bit more sparingly. And maybe it's just like cranking that up or, or sprinkling it in more often to kind of try and create some more confusion. But um I think the Celtics did a much better job of like, okay, this the heater in a zone, let's put Jason Tatum at the elbow and just let him turn around and shoot and get easy buckets without any board, any sort of ball pressure. And so I don't know. I don't know what the heat's adjustment is, but I also, I said the exact same thing after game two, and then they came out and blitzed the Celtics, uh, I guess mostly with turnovers and bam um, in game three. So if I'm guessing anything, they're probably going to go back to the turnovers and bam strategy, which was so useful for them uh, in their wins in this series.
0: Yeah, sometimes the best adjustment is just play better.
3: <laughs> I think the Celtics uh, will probably try to do the same uh, in game five. Let's go to Sam H. right now. I'm really hoping this is Sam Hauser, but I'd be doubtful if it is. Sam H., thanks for joining us here on Anything's Potable.
0: How's your shoulder doing, Sam?
2: You guys are joining a long list of people I've disappointed today. <laughs> glad
0: to be in glad to join that group (laughs) sounds sounds like a hell of a day yeah
2: um so so i i have two questions and i think it's probably just easier to do it as in in one go and just let you guys run with it um but i i've been a big fan of robert williams for a little while now and jay just reading your article earlier today about how he was getting in Derek white's ear um when, when Derek white first joined the team and and then, you know, earlier on in the year when he was um, asked about his own candidacy for uh, Defensive Player of the Year, he was very quick to lavish a bunch of praise on Marcus Smart. It just seems like he's really grown as a presence in the locker room. And I was just wondering if if you guys could speak to that at all and, and sort of how you've seen him adjust from, you know, a, a rookie who was um, you know, missing flights to to sort of a, a more veteran presence on the team who, you know, speaks his mind and, and is uh, sort of respected in that regard. And then the, the other question. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I
0: okay. Yeah, go. No, oh, I was just going to say, I think the he's a guy that loves to lift up the people around him, um, and you you saw it with the smart comments. The defensive player of the year stuff, but I think you see it with the way he plays too. You know, he'd rather make a good pass than than do anything else offensively. He he, like really doesn't ever get a play called for him to score, and still is out hustling, going after offensive rebounds, all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, he's 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 really become. And I mean, you t- talk to Jason Tatum; he raves about how. Rob's his favorite teammate to play with, everything like that. And I think everyone just kind of appreciates that Robert Williams is not at all in it for himself. He's just kind of a a very selfless dude.
2: And then um, I, I, I apologize to the listeners who have been sort of following basketball a lot longer than I have. I, I probably picked up maybe five or six years ago. It just seems like in, in round one, they play Brooklyn, Kevin Durant as – often been discussed as like the, you know, sort of the greatest offensive talent we've ever seen. Kyrie is obviously Kyrie. In the second round, they've got the Bucks as the defending champs. Giannis, people say it might be, you know, the best player alive at the moment. Um, And now they're going up against Eric Stolstra, who gets a lot of credit as, as being sort of one of the better coaches of the last decade. And if they win this and, and go to the finals, it looks like they'll be playing the Warriors who are – um, or, you know, have been probably, you know, the most dominant team of the decade. I'm just wondering, is that that seems atypical in terms of playoff runs to go through sort of so many versions of generational talent? Oh, yeah. Is, is that accurate or have Hell I yeah. just not watched enough
0: basketball? No, that's totally accurate, because especially if you're a, a very good to great team. You're not normally playing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in round one. You're normally playing a normal seventh seed, like the Raptors or <laughs> uh no offense to the Raptors. I guess <laughs> I was pretty offensive to the Raptors, but the Bulls, you know, like you're you're just not playing Hall of Famers. And then second round, like that that series was Finals caliber like those two teams? Either of those teams could have won the championship. Obviously, the M- Middleton being out was a big deal. But yeah, the, the the run that the Celtics have been on, the teams that they've run into, like I don't think their path could have been any more challenging, with the exception of obviously Middleton being healthy and some of the Heat players being more healthy. Like they've just they they have encountered. Probably the toughest opponent that they could have in every round so far. Yeah,
3: I'm just trying to think back.
0: And if if they get to the finals, like it's Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and some championship-proven guys waiting for them, and Steve Kerr, who's awesome. The first as well. round
3: matchup against a talent like Durant is certainly like an anomaly. Um, I'm trying to think back of like recent runs. The Raptors they had to beat the Sixers and then the Bucks. But then they kind of played a hobbled 76ers team. Then before that, it was just like LeBron James going to, what was it, eight straight finals. And it doesn't, I don't remember him facing like a a tough challenge uh, in the Eastern Conference. I guess after the Celtics in like 2012. Um, And I just can't remember, like there's been occasional like tough Western Conference finals. But just like series after series has not... I can't like think of a run that's been as kind of difficult here for the Celtics. Uh, it's just not, not normally what happens. It, normally the the first round, if you're a better team is kind of a cakewalk and then maybe you'll have a, 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 a kind of a challenging second round opponent. But even like we saw with the, uh, the Bucks last year, there's kind of like they flooped their like the way into playing the Hawks in the Eastern conference finals, which is, uh, kind of a break for them, but yeah, no, this Celtics run has been um, absolutely absurd. And if they can move on and uh, make it, uh, make it to the finals, it's just going to be uh, ridiculous. That is, as long as they can react well in a game five, and um, you know, maybe just act like they lost game four and not turn the ball over uh, seventy five times, then maybe, then maybe they'll have a chance of making it to the finals. But.
0: Just don't turn that bitch over. It's a
3: over. very, very simple formula. Don't turn the ball over. Play amazing defense. And let Peyton Pritchard cook when he can. And, and I mean, it's the, pretty much the keys to victory uh, for the Boston Celtics.
0: Peyton Pritchard does I mean, cook. Pretty, that man can can really shoot that it's thing. That's pretty much
3: all he does. Uh,
0: How much better is he than Dennis Schroeder? My goodness. <laughs>
3: Uh, you don't have to tell me. I believe my the one preseason prediction I got right was that th- this team would finally take off once they traded Schroeder and put the ball in Peyton Pritchard's hands. And the the second part of that, putting the ball in Peyton Pritchard's hands, really didn't happen. It doesn't seem like until the playoffs. But um, he's become like a a guy who's played just huge minutes for the Celtics this entire playoff run and that's just not like i knew i was fairly confident in his skills but i didn't think he was going to be like key bench player for the celtics uh for basically the entire playoffs
0: yeah he's i mean he's he's emerged and and he's gotten to the point where they don't care that he's going to get targeted sometimes they don't care that like in a on a team full of Guys who are bigger and stronger, they just throw him out there because they know that he's his skill set is is useful. And the their on-off numbers with him on the court have been stellar. Stellar. So Peyton Pritchard Hooper. proving himself after being behind Dennis Schroeder for a few months of the season.
3: I mean, I feel like that's as good a place uh, to end it as anyone else. Um, Jay King, I have one question for you.
0: Just a little Dennis yeah. shooter well, slander. Well, as long
3: yeah. as we're all along those lines. Um is is Ennis Freedom having his birthday party with the FBI? Is that potable?
0: Uh is no. Potable! No, it's potable. That- <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> now I disagree. <laughs>